Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. I always picture us walking into the throne room to see the Father. Speaking of fathers, father and son were walking down the street for their daily constitutional. And the little boy looks up to his dad and goes, Dad, I finally figured it out. I finally figured out what the Bible is all about. Father was like interested, said, okay, what do you mean you finally figured it out? I know what the Bible means. He said, okay, what does the Bible mean? Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic information before leaving earth. It's easy. (laughs) We all have our own kind of interpretations and twists and kind of expectations of the Bible. Um, But hopefully this morning, there's one thing that I want to focus on when it comes to the word, and that's how do Christians impact the struggling world around them? Now, I don't know about you, but I've had some very interesting conversations with people recently. Um, It feels like the world has gone mad. (laughs) It has. I mean, think about it. Was there ever a time where you thought, you know what, there's going to be a time in my future where I'm going to be wearing a mask all the time in public? Never. I mean, I feel like I'm at a, you know, a surgeon's convention right now because <laughs> everybody's sitting here in masks. It, it's just, it's incredible, and it's, it's really starting to take a toll on people, Christians and, and non-believers alike. Uh, they're, they're trying to figure out, uh, I mean, there's, there's a positive side to this. Walt and I have had some great conversations about, okay, we have these weird circumstances. How does God want us to do church in this weird situation. I mean, we've, we've read some other situations in the Bible that are just as strange, just as bizarre. Uh, we're gonna kind of look at one of those today with uh, Ezra and kind of how he impacted Israel. Um, but it's like, we've got to come to a place, especially as believers, um, we have the comfort and the knowledge of scripture. And we should have the comfort of knowing that God is in control, even in unbelievably uncontrollable situations. So hopefully today, and I don't know what your heart is toward people and life and circumstances. I look around and I'm a helper. (laughs) And I want to help people kind of like get out of these dreary situations and these overwhelming situations and help them have hope and see the future and be able to go forward. That, that's kind of my heart. And so that's kind of why I think God led me here. How do we impact the struggling world around us? Because the one thing that we have to realize is that there is this growing lack of biblical spiritual knowledge and understanding. And, and with that comes craziness. I mean, you know, our vocabulary is starting to change. Words that always meant one thing don't mean that anymore. Uh, And and things are starting to become very unstable. And so people don't have that confidence in what used to be very solid. So hopefully today you can kind of go on this journey with me and make it very personal. I really want you to make it very personal because, it, you know, as we look at the scripture today, it's going to be something that between you and God and something that he can do in your life, through your life, with your life. So those things said, here's some things that I just kind of jotted down quickly that I've, I've experienced as I've talked to people. 
Uh, they're panicked and stressed out beyond the beyond. Uh, you look at some of these things, you know, there, there was a time when they were telling us to, you know, everything had to go into the sink or every box had to be washed. And I mean, unbelievable stuff, the, the expectations for us to be doing. Um, absolutes seem to be fading away. People just don't have that kind of confidence anymore. What used to be common biblical knowledge has vanished from society. Um, it seems there are more people against believers than for believers. Uh, dealing with the coronavirus pandemic is just an overwhelming thing. Personal struggles, relationship issues, finances, day-to-day -day routine. Um, in recent times, and I mean, this is something I just never thought would happen in America, but just the riots and the unrest, I just never thought that would be something that would happen in our nation. I mean, we've seen it all around us, right? But it's like, I never thought that that would be something the next state over, a couple of states away. I just never thought about that. Um, maybe I'm just that naive, I don't know. But extreme political conflict, economic instability, concern for our future, the future of our children, grandchildren, and then this growing disrespect for authority that used to be just so commonplace. And, and those, those things are just things that are supposed to hold a society together. And as those things start to denigrate, things start to unravel. And so, I mean, that's where my concern is, okay, these things are happening. There must be a solution, a biblical solution. And I think it's cool how God does stuff um, because it's always in a way that we don't expect, <laughs> which is kind of cool, but also kind of scary. But this list goes on. Uh, today, again, like I said, we're going to look at Ezra. He was a prophet. He was dealing with similar things as far as what he saw in his nation happening. And um, I believe if we adopt his approach to life, we can do the same. And by do the same, I mean make an impact in our world today and maybe even tomorrow. Uh, but Ezra 7.10 is where we're going to be, um, which states, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. Here's one of those things that sounds so easy, but it's like, what does that look like? What does it look like to prepare your heart to seek the Lord? Easy, right? Oh, just prepare your heart. What does that look like? How does that work? What is the expectation? Um, we've got to, to go beyond the cliche and beyond the easy quote, I think, to, to live the life in this time. Uh, people need to start to see the Lord more than just hear about him. Uh, they need to see his hands, see his feet, see who he is. Uh, Clark states this action of Ezra this way. He prepared his heart to do all this, or he fixed his heart. He took pains in his studies and thoroughly furnished himself for what he designed. And then he put on resolution to proceed and persevere in them and became an equipped scribe. Ezra in Babylon in captivity was wonderfully fitted for service to the church. Simple, right? That's easy. We could all do that, right? But I, I think it's, it's breaking it down and understanding that it becomes something that is um, small bites. Um, I don't know about you, but it's like, you know, when I was first, uh, first came to Christ and was trying to kind of grow in my understanding of him, you know, I was around men who, you know, had been saved for years, and I thought, wow, how am I ever going to be like that? And it's, it's an incremental thing. I mean, we have to start somewhere. And when it comes to the scripture, I think we get overwhelmed. And I think, you know, when you're feeling condemned, 
you know, oh, I'm not this, oh, I'm not that. That's just the enemy trying to discourage you. Because really, the simplicity of it is, start with one day. I'm going to be in the scripture one day a week. I'm going to seek the Lord one day. And then when you master that one day, add on another day, and another day, and another day, and, and grow that into something. Because I know for me, personal Bible study was something that evolved into this thing where it was like, I had to put it down because I was starting to spend so much time in the Word that it was like taking me away from other things, which is cool and sounds great, but it's like, you know, I, we've got to be disciplined and we've got to do this in a way that's going to work as well. And I'm a pastor, so I guess I can get away with some of that stuff as far as spending more time in the Word instead of less. Um, but it, it is one of those things where that's what changed my heart. That's what changed my mind. That's what changed the way I approached things and thought about things was being in the Word because that's the design. That is the design of Scripture. And it's, it's to help us start to see the world correctly because it's like when we're in it and we're just trying to like, you know, tread water and stay above the mess, it's not easy to see or to hear or to understand. And so it's like being in the Word, is, it's, it's that filter that not only helps us, you know, scrape out the stuff that's junk, but it helps replace and put in the truth, help put in that mercy and that grace and that understanding of who God is and how He works and how He wants to work, and He transforms you. And I mean, Ezra's learning here, it's like, it's, he started with himself. He, you know, he looked at Israel, which he was in Babylon at the time that this is going down, and he looked at Israel, you know, there had been a group that had gone back and rebuilt the temple, and stuff was going down there that was just crazy. The, you know, the, a lot of the things that God had said don't do, they were doing, and they were involved in. And he was like overwhelmed by that. And I mean, I relate to that because it's like, I see the world around us, and it's like they don't even have a clue. I mean, the joke is, oh, I'll be in hell with all my friends. And there's not going to be a party situation there. As much as that sounds fun, that's not going to be the, the environment of what hell is going to be, which is tragic. And so it's like helping someone understand the truth, helping someone understand scripture and the fact that when you align your life to this, it can be different. It becomes challenging. But it does start with us. If we can get our place in that right headspace, if we can get the word of God in us in such a way that we are prepared, and that's exactly what Ezra did, he prepared to do that, we then see that it's not us. Yes, we are part of, you know, we're in God's hand, but it's God that needs to use us to go out and do these things. And I think sometimes we get frustrated and we get overwhelmed or we get defeated because we have tried so hard to go out and to do something and it's failed. When God wants us to wait on him and then be used by him to go out and do these incredible things. So that said, one of the things in Clark's statement, and I don't know if it hit, hit your mind like it hit my mind, but he said he took pains in his studies and thoroughly furnished himself. My head went bing. Oh, I remember that. That's a James thing, right? James 3, 16 and 17, right? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, or competent unto all good works. Scripture is our greatest resource. 
and it's got to be part of our life. Acts tells us about, you know, who... It says, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And, and it's one of those things where it's not just about the task. I remember being there where it was just about, oh, yeah, I did it. I read my Bible verse today. I did this today. And I had, there was no value. And when I came to that place, again, and I wrestled with God, I said, God, I don't, you know, I don't want my time with you to just be time that gets checked off. I want it to have value. I want it to have depth. I want it to have breadth. I want to meet with you and hear from you. And, and when we take that time, and that's part of what it is, we've got to take the time. We've got to be still and wait for his voice to kind of connect with us. But when you can do that, your time with him becomes something completely different. It becomes something you look forward to. It becomes something that has value and that transforms who you are. Because it's not just a checkbox. It's not just, yep, I did this for today. Those word prepare is an interesting word, and it's going to show up you know, in the next couple of points that we talk about too, but it's making provision to or doing whatever it takes. And um, when I hear that word provision, the first thing that you know, I remember hearing for years and years and years, Romans 13, 14, uh, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And I think that's where we wrestle. Um, because it's the, the flesh doesn't want to have to sit. It doesn't want to have to yield. It doesn't want to have to be controlled. But it can be. The, the spirit can bring control in that area for us. And it, it comes to learning. It comes to preparing. It's making no provision for it. And it's, it's a commitment you make. You decide. And God is, is so cool that way, I think, because it's like he gives us some control in an area that he wants us to see the value. He wants us to understand the relationship element that we have with him. It's not just, you know, a parole officer that we check in with to make sure we're doing our duty. He's a loving, merciful, holy, righteous God who wants to be invested in our lives, wants to be involved in our lives, and wants to transform us. And the thing is, is we've got to come to grips with sin has altered our thinking. And it's like, it's a constant flush. It's a constant purge because the world system around us is always trying to teach us those things or instill those things in our lives that aren't truth. And it becomes very challenging because it sounds logical, it makes sense. But in reality, it's against God. And we've got to come to that place where we're willing to trust God more than we trust man. One of the things, when we actually had youth and children's ministries, although the youth are meeting, our teens are meeting, which is cool. Uh, but there were five things that we always wanted to make sure we were doing as a church for them, making sure they were involved in scripture reading, scripture memory, prayer, Christian service, and witnessing. Those were habits we wanted to instill into them and to help them understand this is how you can walk with the Lord. This is how you can transform your life. This is how you can also 
impact the people around you. And it was something that we were diligent and sought after to teach. Um, all the other ministries that we had with them, it was one of those things where those elements or a part of the, one of those elements was there. And, you know, yes, we need to be in Scripture, and we also need to have Scripture in us. Uh, scripture memory has served me so well because, you know, like I said, as I've read certain things, it reminds me of other verses. It ties things together for me. And when we study, when we seek the Lord, and we understand his word is more than just a book of rules. I mean, think about it. You know, years ago, it used to always be termed as God's love letter to you. That's how so many people used to talk about the scripture. This was God's love letter to you. It's like, wow, God loves us quite a bit, doesn't he? <laughs> it's a big book. But it's true. And I think, you know, the struggle we have is understanding what pure, undefiled, holy, righteous love looks like. Because we struggle with it. For us, love sometimes is selfish. Sometimes it serves us and only us. And that's not really true love. At any rate, before I go down the rabbit hole too far, so the word seek here for Ezra, it's called darash, uh, seeking the law of the Lord. And the, this whole idea of seek has an idea of frequency, frequently coming in contact to, um, asking, worshiping, searching. Um, you know, Timothy was challenged in 1 Timothy 4.13, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. And, you know, doctrine sounds fun. Doesn't that sound like fun? Doctrine. <laughs> but it's, it's valuable. Because it helps us develop a strong biblical worldview. And that's part of every believer's need. Because when we first come to Christ, there is such a mottled, muddled, blurry vision that we have of the world and what it is and what it needs to be and should be. And then what God says it has to be. And, you know, when we spend time with the Word and allow that to transform our thinking, um, it starts to bring alignment and it starts to make sense for us. And that's, you know, Ezra surrendered to the Lord um, to develop a strong biblical worldview. And I, that's what he needed to be able to impact the world. And I mean, it, you can say, Dave, you're crazy. I can't make that much of a difference. And I think that's the lie. I think if with Christ, in us, in his word, any one of us in here can make a difference in this world by how you live, by how you vote, by how you impact other people. And, you know, there's more aspects of this that I'm going to flesh out as we get down towards the, the bottom of this. But two questions before we move on. One, what are you doing to prepare to be the individual God designed you to be? Also having a strong biblical worldview. Because that becomes key. We, we've got to have a biblical worldview. Um, otherwise, it's going to be challenging. And do you pursue the word and seeking God daily? And it's like, if you're a new believer and you're not there yet, don't stress about this. I'm not trying to add pressure. <laughs> but start somewhere. Read a verse once a week or once a month. or Just start somewhere and grow and build on that. But also... This whole idea of seeking the law of the Lord, I want you to see the, the relational aspect to it. That it's 
seeing this as God's love letter to you, seeing this that you, and doesn't that blow your mind? It blows my mind. God had me in mind when this book was written. God had you in mind when this book was written. How it's written, what it says, it makes a difference. That blows my mind. Only God can do something like that. All right, pressing on. Uh, Ezra prepared his heart to do or practice it, which is God's truth. It, how did that end up coming out? Yeah, equally as confusing as in my notes. <laughs> uh, Ezra prepared his heart to do it, which is practice God's truth. I should have probably split that up better. I apologize. Hopefully that's not too crazy. Um, but he said it before him as a rule. Um, formed his sentiments, his temper by it, managed himself in every area of life according to it. Um, this example we can use of our knowledge of the scripture. Um, the one key too is knowing God brings blessing. And again, his expectations aren't unrealistic. He just wants us to live according to what we know and start from there. He doesn't hold us to like everything. It's like, okay, they, you know this much, do this much. That's all I'm asking. I'm not holding you accountable to all of this stuff, but you should be growing in that as well, doing those things as well. Again, you know, my mind goes to two things. The first one is James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And it's like, <laughs> when, I <get> to the <laughs> when I get to the application part here, there's some stuff that'll be funny, but not right yet, sorry. Um, but doing, versus hearing. I mean, hearing's the easy part, right? I think we have all become skillful hearers. We've got podcasts, we've got YouTube, we've got Right Now Media, we've got other things that are going on. We have become excellent hearers. Um, but I think the struggle that we all have is bringing it to become doers. Um, and that's the part that we've got to become more skillful at. Because that's where we start to put real feet and teeth to what we believe. You know, belief determines behavior. I don't think you've ever heard that before, right, from me, but belief determines behavior. And, you know, the things that you are doing prove what you believe. If you believe, you know, you should have a clean house, guess what you're going to do? Clean your house. <laughs> uh, but if it doesn't matter to you, you're not going to do it. You know, if you believe uh, giving is important, you're going to give. If you think, eh, it doesn't really matter, you won't. I mean, what we believe, you know, what we do, it shows what we believe. It, it's a litmus right there. But the one thing that I like to go to, especially with this, this whole idea of practicing and understanding God's truth and doing it, is Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste it. It's funny, we just had my grandkids uh, at the house, which is a treat. But it's this kind of stuff, taste it. If I, heard, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that for the week we were there, I, I could retire now. But it was, it's just so funny. Things that they've liked historically, just, just taste it again. Just, just take a taste. And it was like, you know, one of them, it was like, I know I don't like this. I've had it before. I know I don't like this. And Deb was just like, for Nami. Will you just try it for Nami? And so they'll do almost anything for her still. That hasn't worn off yet. So they did. And it was like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> and down it went. It's just, it's hysterical how that stuff works. And I think for us, we struggle the same way. 
There are things that in our mind seem hard, seem difficult, seem overwhelming. And all God's asking us is, taste it. Just try. Trust me a little bit and see what's going to happen in your life. And, and oftentimes, I mean, think about the things that you've, you've overcome historically in your Christian walk. Things that, you know, you were like, oh, I, could, I don't think I could ever do that. And then maybe where you are now. I mean, they're probably, some of those are probably big things. And it, just, it was just a matter of moving in that direction, trusting God enough. I mean, that's where God says, you know, we only need a small amount of faith, just a small amount of faith, and you can do unbelievable things for me, which is so true. Interesting conversation we had one night. It was funny. The Lord kind of led me. He's like, you know, let's talk about God and what he's doing in our lives. And it's like, there are so few, fewer and fewer times when our whole family's together. And I must be getting old because like this stuff is becoming important to me. I don't know. But it's like, I want to know what God's doing in my kids' lives and how they're, you know, how my son and my daughter-in-law are influencing my grandkids. I want to know these things. And so we kind of sat down and we were like, you know, what's been some of the hard things God's teaching you? And, you know, what do you remember growing up? And, you know, my kids, you know, we always were over-disciplined them and it was horrible. And, you know, their life is wonderful. <laughs> so obviously, you know, God's truth. And that was, you know, one of the conversations we had was it would have been so easy to just let you do your own thing. You know how easy that would have been? Sure, you want to throw a tantrum, you want to do this, you want to do that. That would have been the easiest thing to do. You just kind of stand there and deal with it. But I, at least for me as a parent, we trusted what God's word said and how to raise our kids and how to guide them and direct them and all that kind of stuff. And, and the hardest thing was just the consistency of it all, doing it over and over and over and over and over again. But God's word says that if you do that, it's going to yield more good than bad. And, it's, and we've got to come to those places where we trust that. Now, the outcome isn't always perfect, and it isn't always what you think it will be. That's the weird part. But you've got to trust it. I have a confidence that I did what God said I should do. Not always perfectly. I've, I've had to apologize to my kids countless times because I've not always done it well. I've not always done it right. Absolutely. But my heart was always to do what God said. That was always my heart. And I, yes, I screwed it up. Yes, I messed things up left and right because I added my problems to it. But my heart was always their best interest. And I trust that there's no other way I could have done but that. And my, that's what my kids walked away with, thankfully. They didn't always agree with what I did or how we did it, but they did walk away with that, at least. Ezra was living his beliefs, and that's what we tried to do in front of our kids. And that's what we have to do in front of the world. They need to see Christ in action. And it's got to be the Christ that's living in us as believers. They've got to see him. Talk is cheap. I grew up hearing that all the time. Talk is cheap. Show me with your actions. And I'm not talking about just going through the motions. 
I want all of us to have a vibrant, rich relationship with God that is so pure and so overwhelming that we can't help but let him be seen in us. We can't help but let people go, what's different about you? Not in a weird, creepy way, but it's like, I like who you are. I like what's going on in your life. How do I get that? That's what we need to be. The world needs to see Christ in action. And right now, all the only things we're seeing in action are craziness, insanity, totally out of control things. Ezra walked in obedience to the word and not to the flesh. He battled that. And something that R.C. Stedman says that we need to realize, and it's hard, because you know, the world keeps telling us, oh, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're wonderful. And in Christ we are. But the flesh never changes. No matter how long you walk in the spirit, you will never get to the place where you cannot revert to the worst spiritual condition. It, all it takes is a little inattention, a little straying, a little departure from dependence upon God's spirit, and before you realize it, you're back in the mire of your old ways. And I've had that happen in my life. I've had that kind of loss of traction where it's like, I stop getting you know, involved with God in the ways that I should and pick up you know, things from the world that just shouldn't be in my life. And thankfully, God has been faithful to go, hey, what's that over there? What's that over there? Because he's a faithful father. Ezra grew to be like the Lord by doing what he said to do. Couple questions before we move forward. Are you growing by living out the biblical truth that you are confident you know? And that's something you need to ask God. Because sometimes you know, oh yeah, I'm growing. I feel like I'm growing. But ask the Lord, show me where I haven't grown. Show me where I need to grow. Um, are you guilty of being a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word? I am. <laughs> still stuff I struggle with. There's still stuff that just, it's, it hasn't come easy. And I know it. And it's like, I need to be, you know, this needs to be actively in my life all the time. Interesting thing. Um, and I do a lot of counseling. And one thing that people do real well is they will label or identify their problem. Oh, this is an issue. That's a problem. Um, but just labeling it and just owning it does not solve it. <laughs> but people kind of seem to think, oh, I've labeled it, so it's, you know, that, that's, this is my problem. But it's like you've got to work on it. Um, I don't know what your thing is with, with, uh, about the Word of God or about trusting what it says or the things that you know that you aren't doing. Um, that's between you and God, and I want you to just consider it. Um, but we have to have enough faith that God wrote these words down and he gave us this direction for a reason. And it's not just to make our lives hard or miserable. You know, that's the cool thing about God. He always wants the best from us. And so that's when he gives us his word and he gives us his truth. If we trust it and align to it, it's going to change us for the best possible way. 
Now, it can be like, you know, my kids who thought I overdid things or did things, that did, whatever. But I know what my heart was, and I trust it. The same is <laughs> far better for God. He knows what we need. He doesn't guess at all. He created, designed us. He's got the perfect owner's manual that knows every little part of us. And so it's like, when we don't trust him, we rob ourselves of so much blessing, of so much benefit. Um, because God wants our best for us. Anyway, if there's that thing that you have labeled that, oh yeah, that's my problem, talk to God about it. Because that could be the very thing that is robbing you of the most vibrant and rich relationship with God that you could possibly have. All right, thirdly, we're moving right along. Ezra prepared his heart to teach. And he, was, he taught the statutes that he had learned and studied and the ordinances uh, that were all part of the word of God. Um, because he was struggling with something. Not him personally, but he was struggling with what was going on in Israel. Um, the challenge is, Isaiah tells us, to whom will he teach knowledge? And to whom will he explain the message? Those who are weaned from milk, those who are taken from the breast. So it's like, it's talking about, you know, it's people who are moved on from just that salvation experience, who are growing in their relationship with, Lord, with the Lord. That's who he's teaching these weightier things, these heavier things. Here we have Israel that has, you know, gone back. They were, they were in Babylon. They're now back. They've rebuilt the temple. And they're not living like they should. Um, Hebrews kind of challenges, you know, or, or helps us understand that thinking. Hebrews 5.12 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again. The basic principles and oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. And there's... It's a challenging way to, to help people understand this, but I think it's an effective way when it comes to working with the Word of God. Um, there's two aspects, and you know, it's, it's spiritual anorexia or spiritual bulimia. I know it's like, ugh, why are we talking about this stuff? But some of us struggle with spiritual anorexia. We don't think the word of God is important. We don't even open it. We, we don't have, see the value that's there. And it never, be, it never comes into us. We just, we fast from it constantly because we just don't understand the value, I think. Or there's the spiritual bulimic, you know, and it's like they take it in, 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 and then it just gets purged from their life. It never gets used. It ne there's never a benefit from it. And we get robbed either way. We get robbed either way. Because, again, we don't have a proper perspective of the Word of God. And the thing is, is this is what's going to provide us with everything we need to understand and know to impact other people. Because God did not want us to come to Christ to understand his unbelievable sacrifice just to sit inside somewhere and do nothing with it. We've got to understand that there is a lost and dying world that needs to hear the truth. And, 
If they don't hear it, how are they ever going to be able to make a decision about it? And again, this, this is not an indictment on any of us, but it is a, a call to arms. We have an opportunity to be in that fight with the Lord. And again, not in a hostile way. Some of the best times I've ever had is leading someone to Christ, helping them understand all that he's done for him, helping them understand that they don't have to live with the weight of sin in their life on a daily basis, the, the oppression and the overwhelm. I mean, there's nothing more incredible than to see someone change in front of your face. It's amazing. And we all have that opportunity. So cool. Ezra told others about the Lord by teaching them God's truth, and, and it's got to be ours first. See, there's a progression here that we can't miss. Ezra sought the Lord. He prepared his heart to, to seek the law of the Lord, to understand it, to totally digest it, to let it come into his life and be part of his life, and then lived out. Because I don't know about you, but you know, as I've learned certain truths, I mean, giving, giving was one of those things where I used to be terrified of God. He's going to you know, wreck my car, and I'll lose stuff, and things will break down if I don't give. And that was the mindset I had at the initial part when I was first starting to give as a kid. How crazy is that? That's not who God is, and that's not how he works. And you know, as I've learned what God has done through giving and what has changed my life as someone who gives has been so much of a blessing to be involved in someone's life and to, and it's not just monetary, it's time and it's things and there's so much more that you give than just money. And when you start to understand what, what biblical giving is and all that, it's cool. It becomes something different. The same with being a disciple. You know, there was a time when a disciple was just, I did my quiet time, I talked to somebody, I did this, did this, so not being a disciple. It's intimately involving yourself with Jesus Christ and the Lord and letting him impact your life. And then you also get to, to have impact there too. It's different, but it's like you feel it and you experience it. And it's become something that's far more than just this blank, drab, drear existence. I mean, my, my Christian life has been something that has transformed me where I know, and I know you've heard it, and I'll keep saying it, but I know that if I didn't come to Christ, I probably wouldn't be standing in front of you today. Something crazy. I would have done something crazy in my life because when I finally came to grips with without Christ, I would always choose destruction. That was the best understanding I ever came to. Because the world wants to say, oh, no, you're good, you're great, you're wonderful. You're, you're, da, 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 da. And we want to believe that. I'm not saying we're all horrible people, but we have a bent to do things that are destructive. Look at Portland. Anyway, we won't go down that road either. Ezra told others about the Lord by teaching them God's truth. After he sought God, lived that truth in his life in the best way to teach it. So how do Christians impact the struggling world around them? Prepare their heart to seek the law of God, live out the law of God, teach God's statutes and ordinances. Now, who knows the Boy Scouts of America motto? What was it? Be prepared, Be prepared. exactly. Uh, kind of interesting, 
I have a whole lot of stuff here that I'm not going to read. Uh, <laughs> but I will read this because it is one of the slides up there. This is what's behind this whole idea of being prepared, which means you're always in a state of readiness in mind and body to do your duty, which is be prepared in mind by having disciplined yourself to be obedient in every order and also by having thought out beforehand any accident or situation that might occur so that you know the right thing to do at the right moment and are willing to do it. Be prepared in body by making yourself strong and active and able to do the right thing at the right moment and do it. I think that's so valuable um, because we have an opportunity in, in Christ to do that in our Christian walk, with our Christian living, in a way where we can prepare and have this situation where we're at call at any time where God says, I need you here, and we're prepared for it. I think uh, we, we do ourselves a disservice <laughs> when we're not kind of actively getting involved in what God would want us or have us to do. Couple things before we end. It starts with salvation. Um, you know, everything I've, I've presented today is in the context of being a believer, being a Christ follower. And you have to nail that down. You have to understand you before the Lord. And have you made things right by understanding who Christ is, what he's done, his sacrifice on the cross, the fact that he was buried and was there for three days and came back again, that you've done something with all that knowledge? Uh, continues with time with God. Um, it, it's one of those things where, you know, how can we have a relationship with him if we don't spend time with him? Uh, but it's revealed as we live. Uh, those things that we know and believe in our truth, we start to live out and they become obvious in our life. I mean, uh, my neighbors know that I'm a pastor and they know that I disappear on Sunday mornings every week. <laughs> and I try to talk to them about that from time to time. Um, it grows to become common to others as we teach others. You know, how are the people around us, how is the world at large going to know unless we start talking? Um, you know, there are people that I've, tr you know, tried to serve, and then I go to their home, and they talk about how good God is and how wonderful he's doing. And I mean, there are people that are struggling with things. And they're, they're talking about how God's blessed them in different ways and done different things. And I've left usually more blessed than I'm sure <laughs> I brought any kind of blessing to them. But we need to start doing more of that. We, start, we need to start doing more, seeing where God's working in our life and talking to other people about it. Um, I think sometimes God is the best kept secret in our life. We, we like his work in our life. We enjoy what he's doing but we've got to start talking about him. We've got to start talking about what he does, how he works, uh, the changes he's made. Um, because if there's one thing that you know, I've come to grips with, when, when I was working with Celebrate Recovery, uh, part of the battle was thinking that you were the only one or you were alone in what was going on in your life. And when someone else understands that there's someone else dealing with something either similar or close to it, they're more willing to work on it. They're more willing to open up about it. They're more willing to talk about it. And when we start engaging the world about spiritual and biblical things, 
and about the changes that God has made in our life, we'll have opportunity. We'll have opportunity to witness, to be a testimony, to talk to them about it. And then lastly, this will end with impacting the struggling world around us to help them struggle, hopefully, a whole lot less. We've got to realize every single one of us in this room can have an impact, not just in our community, but in the world, because we don't know one person. I mean, I know there's a bus monitor in Arizona that has no idea that I'm a pastor today, but I am. We don't know where God's work will take people, but we have an opportunity to be a part of it. Pray with me. Father, we are so thankful for uh, your love for us, your, your faithfulness, your care. Uh, you are a faithful father, and it's humbling and overwhelming at times. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for this life that we have. We thank you for these struggles that we're dealing with, Lord, because it challenges us. It challenges us to do life differently. It challenges us to live the Christian walk differently and in a context that actually requires you to get more involved, and that's exactly what we need. Lord, help us to involve you in our lives more on a regular basis, to not forget or to, to miss completely all the things that you are doing in our life and around our life. And Lord, give us the right words to talk to people about it and give us those opportunities as well. Uh, Lord, we thank you. We praise you for an opportunity to meet today, to meet here without fear. And that's something that is such a blessing and it's, it's easy to take for granted. Um, we hold all these things up to you now in Christ's name. Amen.